Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall. As I interview leaders in the industry, we'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. Are you a bar addict, a social butterfly, or just getting started in bar fitness? Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar-tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy now, pay later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. Welcome to episode 10 of the Bar Variations podcast. We are nearing the end of the year, but it ain't over yet, everybody. This month's theme is creativity and finding inspiration. All right, I've just returned from teaching in Chicagoland, so Downers Grove, Illinois. And these kind of weekends always get my creative brain pumping. may sound cliche, but I learn so much from teaching and I absolutely love it. I get very excited in this training. We all showed up color coordinated. We matched the room. We matched each other. We matched the props. It was pretty epic. (laughs) I love that. Love those moments. And, you know, don't we all, don't we all get so hyped up from all these weekends, really? And when we go to trainings and new classes, and I'd like to go out on limb and say we all want to help others and continue our own learning journey. And this allows us to see things in a different way, which can spark creativity. Before I dive in, here are the upcoming events happening for the rest of 2019 and last month's community question. So for last month's community question, it was, what steps are you taking to own your worth? Here are the answers that came in. Kelsey said, walking away from studios who fail to pay and even when they set their instructors' rates. Alexis also started a great convo in our Facebook group, the Bar Variations VIP group, about setting rates that work for you. So definitely the money talk came up. And also it brings up great points of when something's not working for you, either you got the choice to ask for more or decide it's not working for you anymore and you can open yourself up for other opportunities. So thank you guys for sharing. And I hope that community question got you thinking about your own worth, whether it's money-wise or time-wise or value-wise. It's a big one, but it's always good to kind of check in. And now for upcoming events, we still have the October 19th and 20th date coming up in Brooklyn Heights, New York. We've got the teacher training and the teaching deconstructed workshop. The November 1st through 3rd bar babes unite. My girls Shannon and Nadia are coming in and hosting this event with me. It's going to be action-packed, epic, and we are just about sold out. So we got a couple spots left. Check it out if you haven't already. And then December 19th and 20th, I'm heading to London. I'm going to be teaching a masterclass with Natalie Muse of Energy Bar Body. So that's going to be a masterclass. And then the Teaching Deconstructed Workshop on the 20th. So if you're in town, if you're in London, 
come hang out with me. It's going to be so fun. So, and then I get to go off and eat lots of food with my family. (laughs) But if you can't make any of these, you can always join me online for the Bar Variations Teacher Training Online. This is the whole package, the teacher training and the teaching deconstructed workshop all in one. The exercises, the breakdown, the anatomy, the teaching formulas, and all the strategies and tools for teaching bar. It is also accessible for current teachers looking to infuse this method into what you're already teaching, so not just for newbies. My goal with all these trainings and workshops is to help shine a light on your uniqueness and creativity so that your voice as a teacher can shine bright. So, speaking of shining bright and having your own voice, brings us to our creativity topic. So, what does creativity mean? Or being creative, what does it mean to be creative? And as a noun, it means having good imagination or original ideas. Hmm, okay. Original. Yeah, gets me tripped up too. Because it means that it's not dependent on other people's ideas. You know, inventive or unusual. So, all right. Do we have to be super original? I don't believe that you need to be purely original to be creative. Simply having an idea born out of being inspired by someone else's idea is being creative in my mind. Because it's not how it's usually done, quote unquote, right? So, okay. If we don't have to reinvent the wheel, where do we find inspiration? Ready for the obvious list? (laughs) By taking someone's class, participating in a new workshop or training. We find inspiration on social media. But if we spend all our time in our own bar bubble, things may get stale. So, okay, take a class that's not bar, right? That's maybe less obvious. But what if we look beyond the bar for inspiration? Some answers I've heard in the past include watching my kids move. And you can hear uh, Kendra Alley talk about this in episode eight. She watches her kids move all the time, and that's where a lot of her inspiration comes. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out. Now, number two, observing animal movements. You can get really silly and creative, but it can be really informative, especially our uh, four-legged friends. Number two, just listening to music. That can kind of transport you to a different place as well. So some of the ways I like to gain inspiration that doesn't include movement and is more about my business info is is by reading, listening to podcast interviews, going to the movies, and engaging with people outside of the fitness and wellness world. I truly believe small talk is big talk, and when you put something out there, you can be sure that it'll come back to you and be shown in a new way, especially when you're talking to people that don't do what we do. It's always nice to see what their, or hear what their perspective is. And just like these other things I've mentioned, when you least expect it, they can spark inspiration. So in episode nine, I asked you a list of, or I asked you to list (laughs) your unique talents, which brings me to this month's community question. But instead of asking a question, I'll be giving some homework that adds on to last month's assignment, which was writing a list of your unique talents, right? It also brings me to the third point of how to be creative, which is how to let your ideas and creativity shine. This month's community assignment, I almost said question, but this month's community assignment 
take a, the list of your unique talents and describe in a journal how you implement them into your current work. Now you're going to free write how you like to use these talents in a new and creative way. So again, first you're going to take the list of your unique talents, describe how you implement them currently in your work, and then you're going to free write how you would like to use these talents, maybe in the future or near future, in a new and creative way. All right, well, I can't wait to hear what you guys have come up with. So share your answers with me via email at info at barvariations.com. You can join the Bar Variations VIP group on Facebook to share your answer or leave me a voice message via Anchor. I'll share all the links in the show notes, so don't worry. And I look forward to hearing from you. All right, up next, we have an interview with Jessica Bowman of Bar Boss, who has taken her own talents, let them shine, and created an amazing job out of them. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear this. Stay tuned. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news. For those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. will add an extra bit of fun to your workout with apparel designed for and inspired by the bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, then you'll be happy to know that they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of bar to the world. Check out their go-to line of screen-printed goodies included workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts in training. And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. Hi, listeners. Thank you for joining. And I'm here today with Jessica Bowman. Jessica Bowman is the studio owner of the Bar Method Solana Beach and founder of Bar Boss, social media management and strategy for fitness studio owners around the world. Jessica discovered the Bar Method in 2005, started teaching bar in 2008, and opened her own studio in 2011. She started her blog Bar Boss in 2016 and started managing the Bar Method corporate social media accounts later that year. She now runs her local studio and online business full-time while still finding time to explore everything else her home, in her hometown of sunny San Diego. Yay. Welcome, <laughs> Jessica. Thank you Hi. for me. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's You're not welcome. so sunny now in, sunny, in San Diego, but... I know. We're recording this in February, and I'm coming out there in March, and oh, nice. it's like 65 degrees. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting some weather in San Diego. It's yes. been pretty, like, stormy, but, like, not compared to the rest of the country, so I can't <laughs> complain. <laughs> no, it's all good. And then it's snowing here today as we're recording, so... I'm like, oh, I can't wait for California. And you know what? I can. I can wait if it's. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, though. It turns so quickly, like day to day. Yesterday was beautiful and sunny. Today it's going to rain, most likely. So you just kind of never know what you're going to get out here. <laughs> true. It's true. And I, it's crazy to think, you know, not that we're talking about the weather all podcast mm-hmm. today, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it, you know, it's to have, um, you know, the sunnier places on this planet be a little colder 
when you're trying to escape the normally cold places, I was like, oh man. I know. <laughs> it's tough. But well, I want to thank you again for joining and sharing your story with us on this podcast. So yeah. um, before we jump into all things bar, um, I want to take you back to the very beginning of your movement days. And I want to know mm-hmm. how did you get started in movement? Was this something you always were involved in as a kid? Or can you tell us just like a little bit more about that? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, pretty much from the beginning of uh, what I can remember, I was always active. I definitely was a dancer from the time that I started walking, (laughs) um, all the way through until I went to college. That's kind of when that ended. But, um, I just did all the different types of dance and during high school was on a competitive dance team and got that experience. And then, um, transitioned into sports. I played field hockey as well in high school, which was like kind of an unusual girl sport for the West coast. Mm. It's like pretty popular out in the East coast. Very popular here. Yeah. Yeah. Like only, and it's so funny. It's like San Diego has this little, like the school districts here have a, um, a lot of field hockey and it's really big in like Southern California, but elsewhere, not so much. Um, so well, you really, get, in- yeah, you guys get volleyball, which we don't get as true. Much of. <laughs> I remember when my school started a team, I was like, it just hurts. I mean, there's just, it's no fun on a basketball floor. <laughs> totally. Totally. Not the same as a beach. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So I did sports and then, um, you know, just always loved, loved dancing. And then I got into running actually, like after uh, high school and more into college and beyond. So I ran marathons and just was always, always active from every, you know, from, like I said, when, from when I can remember. Um, and then it wasn't, you know, bar was really new when I first Mm. found it. Yeah. It's so funny. I think my mom always has these stories of myself, like, you kind of look back and you're like, is there like a telling point of like what I was going to do mm-hmm. like with my life? And as soon as I could walk, I did not want to walk flat foot. I was like on my toes mm. all the time. My mom's like, I have to put you in ballet because you're just, you're just doing it. You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I do know. you have any family stories of like you putting on performances or like forcing everybody into your shows or made up things that you oh, do. Oh <laughs> my gosh. So much like such vivid remem- uh, memories of like the bangles. We would perform oh. the bangles <laughs> and like always pulling everyone into the living room and performing for them. Like a couple different friends we would do that with. Um, so yeah, for sure. And then, you know, the, all the little performances, I remember my very first dance performance was to Kokomo, that song Kokomo. Oh, so great. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's aging me, but no, it's I'm like probably not far off from you. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so always, always, and like even still now, like I do, I go to a lot of concerts and music festivals and things. It's just like such an outlet for me, music, and so I I can't live without it. I really can't. Um, There's like nothing like that feeling. My poor family was definitely subjected to all kinds of um, made up plays, and when I was very little, I lived outside of Boston and my neighbors were in these acting classes and they were, they were older than me, these two sisters. And I just thought they were like the absolute coolest people on the planet. I was like, just 
anything to like be near them. I was like, please, please put me in your neighborhood play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we would dress up in these funny costumes and we lived like not on a busy street. It was like a U and no one would drive down it because it also had another street that you could bypass our street. We were just kind of like this little like U-turn basically. Mm-hmm. And we would be like shouting on the street for like everybody <laughs> to like come watch us. It was like, <laughs> our neighborhood. Was like, That's hey. so funny. I know it's so like, but yeah, that just that performance aspect, like I'm sure as a teacher, like that kind of comes back, you know, like mm-hmm. you're just like, it's the stage and you can't help but like put on your role yep. or character or something. And totally, totally. Like as a teacher and I always tell my teachers, it's like, you have to be, larger than life a little bit. Like it is kind of like a performance. Cause if you think about it, you know, you're teaching to a big group of, you know, 20 plus people in some cases. And so you, you know, all relatable and connect to them, you still have to be presenting too. So there's that like mix, yeah. um, which is unique. It is super unique because also you have to walk in and leave it like the stage, like at the door, you cannot Mm -hmm. really bring in your own, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Some days like are not great days or you're tired or guess what? It's a job and you're Mm -hmm. still doing a job and it's the same thing a lot of times every day, you know, at least the same time and maybe the same people and you, you really have to turn it up if you want to stay interested in yourself as a teacher and then trickle that down to your students. Um, So when you were in college, were you a performer? Did you do dance team or what was that like? I didn't. Not in college. I was, I was, um, I went to UC Santa Barbara and I was working pretty much through college. I I got a job and I was like helping kind of put myself through college. Mm. So I really didn't have that time to do that. So that's when like the actual, like dance classes and like really truly practicing dance kind of stopped for me. Um, and I definitely missed it. So I feel like once I found bar, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like waking up my former dancer, but Mm. yet I'm not, I'm older now. So I'm not like dancing necessarily. Like I don't have that, that, uh, that experience anymore. But at the same time, like it was like the perfect way to like it, it just it, it satiated my passion for it you know yeah, so, <laughs> so you went from beautiful San Diego to beautiful Santa Barbara I mean that just sounds like the I life <laughs> I know I'm pretty spoiled and it's, then and no, then I went great. to beautiful San Francisco after that so oh, I was just my like goodness. making my way up the coast <laughs> that's amazing I know I lived in LA and everyone's like ooh LA and people would visit and I was like right smack in Hollywood and don't get me wrong I love LA I love California but I mm-hmm. love California because mm-hmm. it's so beautiful and you just it's so inspiring and then you go up to Santa Barbara and you're just like man what am I doing (laughs) I know it's kind of like a like fantasy world up there even now when I visit I'm like I really lived here like everything's just so cute and so beautiful (laughs) and and you sound like a really hard worker you know you had to you're putting yourself through school Mm -hmm. and um that kind of scrappiness and Mm -hmm. the hustle and even when you're in a beautiful place it kind of reminds you or I know like for myself like I worked all the time. I worked since I was able to like watch children alone. I always babysat and whatever. And it just, 
you can live the life that you want to live. And maybe you can share if you always had like a vision in your mind of like, when I'm older, I want to travel or I want to do this, or I want to do this type of job. Did you have like a clear vision in your mind while you were hustling through school? Not really, actually. Um, I was always working, like uh, definitely a hard worker and always had a job and always had good jobs, always got jobs too, which was interesting. Like (laughs) any job I went out for, I like got, you know, but it wasn't like, it was like, oh, that's easy. It was just, I don't know. I was kind of, I was, I was selective with like the work that I was doing. And, um, like I worked all through, I worked like retail, good retail jobs through college. And then I was worked at like five-star resort in Santa Barbara as a waitress, like for a long time and made good money doing that. And like, I was like, I always worked for like good brands or good companies. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was in pharmaceutical sales for, a long time before I opened my studio. And so I think I just had a clear, once I was in something, I could see clearly how to maneuver Mm. up it. You know, Mm. I I was conscious of my steps that I was taking once I was working, but I wasn't like, Oh, this one of these days I'm going to be a business owner. In fact, I never really thought that about myself Mm. when I was younger until I, until I started kind of until I really started teaching bar and started thinking, Oh, wow, maybe I, you know, maybe I want to own a studio someday. Mm. And like, what's that look like? I think I'm capable. I've always been good at like, my mindset has always been like, I can do it. You know, I think it goes back to that scrappiness. <laughs> yeah. like, I'll figure it out. It. I'll make it work. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I was a little bit opposite. I was always very clear that I wanted to dance and I wanted to perform. And mm-hmm. after that, I didn't really know, like, and, but I knew what I needed to do in order to be able to dance and sustain the life mm-hmm. I wanted to live. Cause I still wanted to travel. I still wanted to do things. And as most of us know, um, modern dance and dance in general doesn't pay a ton mm-hmm. unless you're on a cruise ship or doing like a big, big, like production, yeah. production show. And, um, yeah. And I would say I'm like, Oh, I don't want to be a teacher. I taught dance mm-hmm. up until this past year. And then I was like, (laughs) I don't want to run a business and I am running a business. (laughs) Like it might not have four walls, but sometimes I challenge the universe a a little bit by like really saying no to something and not looking down upon it, but just being like scoffing at it a bit. And yeah, but that kind of hard work, I mean, translates. I mean, people say like, if you're going to have any job as like a young person, waiting tables will teach mm-hmm. you many lessons in the world. <laughs> totally. Totally. And, and when my, my, the time I spent mostly waiting tables was like on very influential people and mm-hmm. famous people. And one time I remember I waited the, um, the rehearsal dinner for Jeannie Garth, Kelly from 90210 <laughs> and her, in her, in her wedding too. I forget, I forget his name, Peter something, but it was like, Oh my, it's like, Oh my gosh, all the 90210 stars are here. And we're like, <laughs> so like having to like serve them dinner. I know it was like a dream. young girl's yes. dream. Right. So, <laughs> I, I, uh, I learned how to, I learned etiquette very well and, and it was really fun, you know? And I, I really believe that like everything we do is like, leading us to the next thing. And as long as we're like aware and self-aware, you know, like you can kind of achieve anything. It's just, we all get in our own way <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can remember like, I'm a, 
I think it's Nicole Schlesinger, the comedian mm-hmm. that said, like, you know, she's dubbed the, or like coined the term like elder millennial. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I am not an elder millennial. I think I'm a middle, middle-aged millennial because I'm uh-huh. not, I'm not the, on the younger. My husband is uh, 37. He's on the, he's the elder and he's the elder. <laughs> I'll be, you know, I'll be turning 33 this year. So I'm in the middle and my younger brother is you know, he's 27. So he's on the end. Right. So he's yeah. the young guy. And I just always go back to like thinking about when he like graduated school and he's like, oh, I don't want to do that job. It's not mm-hmm. what I, it's not what I want to do. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's not the point. <laughs> that is not the point. Yeah. You're not going to know what you want to do. Until- yeah. And I'm totally not yeah. stereotyping, trying not to stereotype the <laughs> millennial aspect, but it just the going back to like your everything is for a purpose. You're no mm-hmm. matter if you're in the crappiest restaurant job or, or the greatest, you're learning skills that you don't know that you're gonna use. And I remember I was teaching yoga one time and it was to a bunch of teachers. So after school I would go in and I would teach this yoga class and they worked at a school that was pretty tough. So it was like a it was a, a nice thing for the school to do for their teachers. And um I can remember I said, I was like, okay, make sure you bisect your back foot with your front foot. And I was like, guys, I learned something in middle school. And they're like, <laughs> oh my God. I was like, you never know. And they were like, oh my God, stop. <laughs> totally. When you're going to pull those little yeah. like nuggets of information out. I've ne- totally. <laughs> never yet used that word. Or, you know, the people skills mm-hmm. are learning discretion or learning to deal with clientele mm-hmm. in a way that it's polite and, you know, respectful and, um, you know, minding, yeah. minding yourself in a way and mm-hmm. yeah, being more of a listener, which I mean that restaurant skill. And if that's, you know, one thing that's going to prepare you for all things is, um, definitely the one that's going to do it, I think. <laughs> yeah, totally. So yeah. your waiting tables, when did you discover, discover bar? Were you in Santa Barbara or were you elsewhere at this point? I was in San Francisco at this point. So I moved there, um, post-college, a couple, like a year or so after college, I kind of stayed around Santa Barbara, but it's tough to that. It's such a little mm. community. It's, there's not much going on for like new grads out of college. Um, so I ended up going up to San Francisco where I have family and, was lucky enough to be introduced to my first pharmaceutical sales manager. Cause that's a tough industry mm. to crack into if you don't really know someone. And, and, um, so I ended up getting a good job pretty quickly out of college in the city there. And then bar method, our flagship studio is still there today in the Marina district of San Francisco. And I lived in that area. And I remember a friend saying, Oh yeah. You know, I tried. And I think there was at that point, there was probably maybe there was under 10 studios Mm. nationwide. Now we have like 120 Mm. or more. Um, but I I want to say there was just a handful of them and she told me about it and I was like, Oh, that seems interesting. Like, what do you mean? It's like dance mixed with, you know, workout. Like I don't, there was nothing really like that. I was going to the gym and I was running. And so I just, I just walked in like right off the street, like a <laughs> typical walk-in. <laughs> I was like, I was the typical walk-in. Um, so and like, and it's funny. I remember the teacher saying to me, wow, you have a really good mind body connection. And I, I'm actually good friends with that teacher now. Cause she was, she became a studio owner and then I became a studio owner and we got to know each other. 
Um, but I don't remember, like, people are always like, oh, what was it like your first class? Like, do you remember how hard it was? I'm like, not really. Like, I remember, <laughs> you know, but again, in my defense, that was like 13 years ago. But I do remember, like, being really intrigued by it. And I was like, wow, you know, like that just happened, you know, like it's almost like, whoa, what just happened to me? Yeah. <laughs> was it love at first sight for you or no? It was, it was love. Like I didn't get, I wasn't like sold on membership right away, yeah. but I was, it was also like really expensive yes. then too. Cause the whole membership model wasn't no, quite yeah. around. Right. And like boutique fitness wasn't even like getting its feet under well, it yet. I think bar method predated soul cycle in that realm. Oh yeah. I mean, totally. way before it. Mm-hmm. And I, cause I remember mm-hmm. when bar method came to the East coast and I was like, Oh, just a studio with bar and I was teaching Pilates. And I can remember the studio mm-hmm. owner being like, I don't know what that means because Pilates and yoga were the only, yeah, they weren't even considered boutique, but it was just something else. It was just that like, this is a Pilates studio. This is a yoga studio. And yeah. the idea of boutique fitness hadn't really come in. And I remember the studio owner being like, I'm not sure what this means for us yeah. like as competition. She's like, and I was like, you know, I don't know, let it be what it is. And we do Pilates and yoga here, whatever. I don't know. Like, I just kind of like, I didn't yeah. see it as competition, but it was like mm-hmm. interesting that it was like, wow, this is something new that outside of Pilates and yoga yeah. that these methods are coming up with their own studio, which is, I mean, mm-hmm. as we know, amazing. And look at us now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so you weren't sold yeah. on membership. And did you go like, back often or was it like a slow gradual? Yeah. Yeah. I went, I went, I was like a class or two a week mm. kind of girl. Yeah. Cause I was still going to the gym and I was, which was like more of a social thing for me then at that time too. Like I was in my early twenties and you know, doing the gym thing, yeah. you know, <laughs> and like in the city. Yeah. And so I think like for me, I, w- I mixed it in, but I wasn't, I wasn't as like dedicated as you would think considering where I'm at now, you know, from the beginning. Well, I mean, I feel like most of the interviews that I have done for this podcast so far, it hasn't been love at first sight for everybody. And it's so refreshing because people think like, oh, you must have just like, yeah, that clear Mm -hmm. vision. We talk about like, oh, did you know what you wanted to quote unquote be when you grow up, whatever that means. And then, yeah, and and just where are you kind of like, the journey takes you. And sometimes it's like, Oh, I don't really like this. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what this is. And it, it steers you in a way that is in reaction and whether that's positive or negative, you develop something out of it. And it's funny to like hear those stories of like, well, I went back because I was curious and I didn't know what Mm -hmm. was going on or (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah, yeah. You just don't know. And, but, um, so what do you think like kept you going back to bar method specifically? I think I was like investigating it. Like, cause I think it was like, I was up until then and I was either just in the gym or running and like, I never really took yoga. I took classes in my gym. Like that was my only class experience. Mm. So I think I was more like, what is this? Like, it's a standalone studio. It's only bar. Like we were just mentioning, it's like, this is different than what I've been accustomed to and I loved the music, like the mm. choreography, you know, and, and I, I wasn't getting that in the gym yeah. running. And I was like, oh man, like, and like, this is definitely making me feel like 
I'm getting a little bit of that dance class vibe without being a dancer, trying to be a dancer at like 25. Right. (laughs) No, totally. And like the music, I know like teaching Pilates at that time, um, you know, this was 10 years ago and it was like big no, no to have music during Pilates class. Like I, I do play like some people don't, it's a preference now, but it's not so shunned upon as it, as it was. And reformer classes weren't a thing. It was, it was a very different looking industry 10 years ago as any industry will look in 10 years. And Mm -hmm. so I can remember being like, Oh, it'd be nice to like, I was teaching dance classes to kids. So I was teaching like traditional, like classes like ballet, jazz and whatever. And so I was like, Oh, it'd be nice to teach like grown-ups classes <laughs> with music on because there's just, you know, mm-hmm. just the energy changes. You don't have to like, it's not about me speaking to them. It's a little bit more mm-hmm. of a guiding of the session where you get in yoga. And at that time I wasn't teaching yoga. Um, you know, I dabble here and there now I've had my training, but mm-hmm. anyways, so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's that energy and it's like, oh, this is mm-hmm. fun. I get to listen to my favorite music, be with my friends and yeah, move yeah. my body. <laughs> yeah. And like now that I think about it, like, you know, back in Santa Barbara, I was, I would go to like those step classes or I would do, there was, a, there was a Pilates class I really liked, like a Matt Pilates. Mm-hmm. But now that I think about it, I don't think there was any music in that, which is probably why I got like a little like, eh, whatever, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, I think it was just like the intrigue that kept bringing me back. And then I trying to think of when, um, my body really started changing because I had a very much like a runner's body Mm. and my body changed and people started commenting and noticing and stuff. And I was like, gosh, it must be the bar method. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only difference. It's the only change. Um, but yeah, so then I was sold. (laughs) Yeah. And that like, you know, you sometimes, you know, everybody works out for different reasons and the way your body is strengthened in certain things, um, you know, it makes a difference. And then when you, mm-hmm. when other people start noticing like, Oh wow, you're really like, you're standing more upright or like mm-hmm. something's different about you where they can't quite pinpoint it. I think that's always like the moment where you're like, okay, it's working or whatever that, totally. whatever that is, whether it's like your physical shape is changing or whether you're just brighter because you're happy and you're moving and you feel good or you're standing yep. up straighter because now you're not hunching over your desk all day. Um, that, yeah, I think when other people start to like notice like oh, something, something's changed, but I'm not sure what is like such a key moment I know for clients and even for us like now that we've been in it for a while, um, it's like, oh, it, it works, yeah. you know, and totally. I always like say like if I can like lift my suitcase over my head, it's a good sign I'm in some kind of shape. <laughs> like, yeah, as long, yes. as long as I can run fast and yeah. lift my suitcase, I'm good. <laughs> right. And yeah. I love the term functional training, I think, for that reason. And, you know, the plyometrics, I, I, even these words like calisthenics, plyometrics, and functional training, mm-hmm. are, they're the same thing. And I just yeah. think those terms are hilarious number one because it's true it's like it's so functional I need to get off the floor if I fall yeah I need to climb the stairs because there's gonna be stairs in my life and you know you gotta sit up you gotta do these things and they're so functional that it's totally it's kind of silly where any bar you know not saying bar method but like any bar method or the Mm -hmm. use of the bar Uh, I was talking to this about with um some of my trainees, 
the great thing about a bar class is that it's done mostly standing where mm-hmm. a lot of other methods are done. You know, Pilates is done mostly lying down. You know, you're lying to seated to standing, but mm-hmm. starting standing and then moving away from the bar and actually applying it to real life. Like here, now we have to balance. Now we have to move side to side now, front and back. Like these are movements you actually do your during your day. So when you walk out, you're probably more likely to be more stable and more balanced in whatever that grace aspect, you're just kind of moving through life yeah. in a better way. And bar is so, so great for that because you're standing, you're just, yeah. you're not doing it just on your back or just on your side, you know, on a machine or something, you're using your own body. Totally. Yeah. I think like a lot of time, sometimes we're, when we're in class and we'll do, you know, like heel lifts or whatever in a turnout or parallel mm. and a balance on the balls of their feet and both arms up and they're just holding them like, okay guys, like next time you're at a party, this is your party trick. Like see how many people in the party can actually do this because I guarantee you, you'd be surprised at how many people aren't able to stand on the balls of their feet for 10 seconds. No, you know? you're, you're, <laughs> that is like the easiest thing you can do. I tell my clients that on all fronts, like in Pilates, like I always round out like a balance at the end. And if I start noticing like, Oh, these people cannot balance it. I'm not saying like ages. I'm like young to old to in the middle, all in between. And same with the bar class. Like you have the bar there. So it's like a little like, okay, like, can I do this? It surprises people every time that they, that they might not be able to actually balance. Um, And if you can't balance on your toes, that's one thing, but your balance on your flat feet might not look so great either. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. And it's, you know, that's and it's an easy thing like that you literally can take anywhere. And I've had, you know, older clients that we'd practice at their countertop and it was like when you're, you know, washing dishes, making dinner, yeah. like hanging out, talking to your partner, like get up on those toes and Yeah. Um, I know. Flat. I know. It's pretty great. I love it. Yeah. And I have do you have any clients that kind of report back? Do you ever like give like little assignments like that? Like, you know, this, you can do this at home or does anyone ever come back and tell you like, Oh, I've been doing some of these moves at home. Yeah. I think mostly when they go away, yeah. you know, when they travel and they're, and they're always like, what should I do? I'm so nervous. Like help me. You know, they're, they're, they're in frantic mode. Mm. It's so funny. I'm like, this is great. You're so, you know, I love that your mindset is so in tune to your wellness that you are really taking it seriously that you need to continue while you're gone. I love it. I'm like, just do, you know, a bunch of pushups and planks and some heel lifts. And yeah, yeah, I'm always like just the easy stuff that you can get in good alignment. Like don't try to get too tricky with yourself. Um, but yeah, they, they, they are always wanting more, you know, when they're, when they're traveling, which I, which I love because it just shows that they're seeing the results and, and feeling like it's a necessary part of their lifestyle now, which is really what's the most important thing. Absolutely. Like having it a part of your day to day life, like there's nothing better than having a client be like, how do I keep going? Like, I don't want to stop moving because I know, and it, it doesn't have to be, you're right. Like it doesn't have to be tricky. It doesn't have to be the most intense workout while you're traveling, but I have clients now that they'll seek out other studios and they're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm traveling for work, but I have a few hours and I can fit in a class. And like, do you Mm -hmm. know anybody? Do you recommend anybody? And you know, love social media. I can be like, yeah, Hey, there's this person in the city that you're traveling to. And, but 
as soon as it's an enjoyable thing to do, once you find like the class that you like and the teacher that you like, and it's an enjoyable experience, then everyday movement can be enjoyable, right? It doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. like, I got to like get from point A to point B. And then maybe you just like add more movement. Maybe you take the stairs. Maybe it's a run. Maybe it's a longer walk. I don't know. You know, so yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, it doesn't live just in the studio. And I try to like tell my students that a lot of the time, like it's not just here, it's outside and yeah, not just do this. So yeah. Now you were taking class for, I think about three years, right? You started teaching in 2008. Did you have like a moment that like sparked like, okay, I want to start teaching this or were you like, what was that story like? Yeah, I, um, cause I was in the city, I was in San Francisco and my then boyfriend was in San Diego. And so we were doing the long distance thing for a while. And I had an opportunity to move back to San Diego with my company mm. and where I'm from and my family's here. And so I thought, okay, this is a good opportunity to like move back and keep my job and blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of when I was like, I remember talking to him going, and I went straight to wanting to own a studio before I taught, <laughs> taught him, which I had no business owning a studio. Like that's just probably like people who know me are like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I was like, oh, you know, I wonder what it would be like to own one of these studios. Like I'm looking around and I've, they're, they're all like young, like me. And it seems to me like they, they, they were professionals and then they left and now in the studios are cute. Like I was just kind of looking from the outside in and going, gosh, this is like, again, like intrigued by the idea of like its own studio, Mm. you know, with like its own style. And I was just like, I didn't, I didn't even know what a franchise really was. I was just like, whatever, (laughs) this is is interesting to me. (laughs) Yeah. Like I want to do that. Um, and he goes, why don't you ask, like call and like write an email. I'm sure there's information on the website. So I said, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. And so I remember going up to our founder in, and I'd already been, I already decided that I was moving to San Diego. Um, and there wasn't a studio in San Diego yet. And so I remember going up to Burr, our founder and going, uh, hi, I'm, I'm Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to meet you. She's like, Oh, she's like sitting in the hallway between classes. And I'm like, you know, I'm interested in owning a studio in San Diego, but I'm obviously not a teacher yet. Like I'd like to, I'd like for you to train me. And then I will open a studio in San Diego. <laughs> Just small talk in the hallway. Love it. And she really looked at me like I had two heads. She was like, Ugh, yeah, that's not really how it works, but I love that you're ambitious. And so she was just really kind about it, but she was just like, well, you know, there's, um, we don't actually hire instructor. We don't train instructors to be teachers until you're hired from, by a studio like oh okay and she's like and we actually have a San Diego studio in the works so I'm happy to put you in touch with that studio owner she's not open yet but she will be and I'm sure she's going to need um instructors possibly a business owner I don't really know you know and it was small enough that she knew Burr Burr was still very much involved with that Mm. process but she wasn't giving me a whole ton of information me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay. And you know, I was happy enough with that. And then I contacted that studio owner 
at the time and said, Hey, I'm, you know, I've been taking bar method for three years in San Francisco. I'm moving to San Diego. Let's get in touch. And so then we did. And she was like, you got the job. (laughs) You know, at that point I had more experience in teach or taking classes than she did. And she was just like starting in this new market down here. And she was like, I'll take any experience I can, you know? So, so that's how it started. So then I became a teacher for her, um, as soon as she opened. It's amazing. You don't know unless yeah. you ask, right? <laughs> totally. I mean, I was just like, thought I was going to own one, you know, own one, the first one. And then next thing you know, I, I ended up being a, one of the very first teachers down here, which was, and we're still, I actually, she ended up becoming my business partner on my studio. And then I bought her out about a year into it. So it's been a journey. That's amazing. I mean, you just, yeah. I think sometimes when it comes to like running a business, like ignorance is bliss a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Not that mm-hmm. they can't like crash, fail, burn and all of the things, but sometimes like for, I found like I'm, I'm better suited if I'm like learning through the process and totally it had not has, hasn't always looked so pretty, but, um, yeah, just having that, like, I'm going to do this and then not having that fear attached to it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like not doing all the research and be like, Oh, I don't know. I don't have enough money or I don't know what I'm doing. I've never owned a business. Like did any of those fears crop up or was there any kind of like (laughs) post-traumatic stress? (laughs) You know, it was more, no, I, my attitude is very like that. Just kind of like, let's do it. I'll figure it out. You know, I'm smart enough. Like we can, you know, resourceful, all of those things. Like I just, and I still operate on that, that kind of level, even operating my business and starting bar boss and stuff. But like, sure. There's definitely days where, and, and when I was doing, when, when I was going through kind of the buyout, too. That's when maybe I was like, Oh man, like, how am I going to buy her out? Like, I don't know what that's going to look like. I didn't intend to do this on my Mm. own. So that's, I think more when the fear started setting in because she had already been an experienced studio owner and I was really still very green, obviously at like owning the business. And I was just like, Oh man, like I wasn't really prepared to do this all alone, but I will, but like, Oh, you know, so that's, um, I learned a lot through that process, um, what I'm like capable of. And I think by getting, and that was four years ago. So I bought her out in 2013. And so I think that's given me the confidence to now be like, what's the next thing? <laughs> <laughs> like I got this. Like, can I yeah. <laughs> I mean, any like big major shift or change, like I always get like the I can't, I don't want to say PTSD. That is very like, I'm not going to compare my own anxiety to that, but like, <laughs> yeah. I get like post stress from, from mm-hmm. things like after I graduated college and I would say like five years after like performing and doing the thing, I was like, Oh my God, I could never apply to college again. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at yeah. The time, like, I, like you could not tell me no on something. I was like, I'm going to school for dance and I'm going to this school. This is what I want to do. I want to perform, blah, blah, blah. Like I just was like, <laughs> and then as soon as I graduated and I was performing, I was like, I'm going to do Pilates. This is how I'm going to support myself financially. This is what I'm doing. Like it wasn't until like maybe I slowed down a little and I was like, okay, like what's next? Like I was like stressing so much about like, how did I get here? Like I did. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, like, but no, like going through maybe those like a little bit harder times or like knowing mm-hmm. that you're going to come out the other side and you're just like, I got this. Like what's next? Like in a po- more like energized <laughs> way. Yeah. Like, you know, reminding yourself, like even when we are talking about like those, you know, having the waitressing jobs and like just doing any job, just like knowing that it's happening for a reason, even like the maybe more scary parts, it's, you know, it's happening. You're going to learn something from this and might not be comfortable, probably definitely not comfortable yeah. or scary or really horrible. And like the scale can slide to low to high and, but getting through it, then hopefully you kind of feel, see that resilience in yourself and be like, I got this. I can forge ahead. <laughs> totally. I just, yeah, I feel like it's, it's, it, it's always, what you make of it, right? Like it can be the worst situation. And I see myself, my mindset can control the situation so much. It's so Mm. interesting. I studied psychology in in college Mm. too. So I, I'm like, I can't escape it in my life. I'm like always looking at the mindset. I'm like, oh my gosh, when I, I, sense myself going, I'm overwhelmed. I'm so busy. I'm overwhelmed. Ay, ay, ay. And then I'm like, wait, no, I'm not overwhelmed. I'm pretending I'm like telling myself I am right. Like as soon as you stop telling yourself certain things, everything seems to be a little bit more clear. And so I'm like working on that more and more and more. But yeah, during those times, like you can either spiral down or just be like, okay, the sun is going to set and then it's going to rise tomorrow and I'm still going to, you know, it's going to be okay. It's just like leaning on people that are helpful and, um, yeah, yeah, having that support system in place is definitely key. And, um, would you say that that kind of like that part of your personality comes through in your teaching? Like, how would you describe your teaching style? Yeah, it definitely does. It's so funny. I, um, my, in the very beginning days, I might have two clients, one of which is an, an employee now. And the other one is still taking my classes pretty regularly. They nicknamed me Intensica. <laughs> and they just, they love to tell the story of like how they would always be like, oh my gosh, Intensica's teaching. Um, and now I would, I, I'm definitely like an intense personality for, you know, professionally and personally, but I feel like it's, it's definitely tapered (laughs) off. I think it has tapered off a little bit. Um, but I do my teaching style. I definitely, um, have an ability to kind of coach my students into breaking out of their comfort Mm -hmm. zone. And I expect a lot from them in my classes. So I think people come to my classes knowing they're going to like, they're going to work hard and I'm going to I'm going to really kind of push them out of their comfort zone. Um, and I teach with a, a very intense, like motivating style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get excited. <laughs> I just get really excited for them. And I know I've seen such, such great results myself. And I've, my journey has been so from San Francisco to here and been a studio owner for as long as I have and a teacher and student of it. I'm like, Oh, I just want them to like, have that too, Hmm. you know? So I think I get really excited for them. And, and so my, my classes are pretty energizing, Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, yeah, pulling out that potential in people, like you can't always see it in yourself. And if you have somebody in your life that is a, a big cheerleader and like you were saying, like having people supporting you in your own life made a big difference. And you know, like, yeah, I always find that like, if I'm teaching, like if I'm that one 
positive voice in the day or like a place to just kind of like whew, release, let it out. Like, great. You know, like holding that space, I think is just so such a privilege as a teacher. Totally. And I think one thing I've kind of changed in my teaching style is I used to get, you know, like the intensica part of me was like, come on, you can do it. Like, just get it. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm a much more realize that everyone's there for different reasons. Uh, you know, my reasons are not their reasons and, you know, really this could be that they just need to get away from whatever. It's not even about the physical benefits or, you know, sometimes it's completely mental or it's a break from the chaos or so I'm very, I, I teach with a lot more, um, like awareness of my students and just being there to, channel whatever they need from me. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not about it. I think I'm thinking in the beginning I was like making it more personal. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, no, this is not about me. It's about them and their journey. And I'm happy to like help them along in their journey. But, um, at the end of the day, like the pot of gold they're looking for is different than mine, you know? Yeah, so and I think that's hard when you're, um, in the realm of performance, right? Because we, we are mm-hmm. putting on the role of teacher and when it, there's music and it, you know, there's choreography and you know, that vibe can come out, the performance vibe comes out, but, um, you're so right. And then, you know, it starts to change. I think as you mature as a teacher, like when you're first starting out, like you know, use, using those kind of motivational cues and like, it's very, very natural, right? It's like, okay, I got to get through this choreography. This is what I remember today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Go. And then, you know, as you get more comfortable as a teacher and, you know, you experience more people, you just get so many people in the door in these group classes that you meet people from all different backgrounds and all different stories. And they're coming in from all different places. So meeting them where they are is like, yeah, that's, that's it. That is, that is it. Um, and then where do you draw inspiration outside of bar? So do you have something that you like to like, I don't know, hobbies, inspiration, things that you like to do to kind of recharge yourself as a teacher? Uh, you know, it's, I don't really take any other classes, uh, regrettably. I feel, I, I get so trapped in my studio. Um, if anything, I go to like other bar methods mm. and take from other teachers outside of my own network, just because sometimes when I'm inside my studio, I'm, I'm just, everyone expects me to be like kind of working sure. or, you know, evaluating the teachers or whatever. So I try to get outside of my own studio and I travel around to see my friends that own other studios and stuff. But as far, I still run, I still do some running. I listen to music and, um, I like, I'm obsessed with my little dog and her and I go to the, (laughs) go to the (laughs) beach like every day. Um, so I think I'm actually, you know, for me, recharging is being alone, which I guess that makes me sort of an introvert because, I get, you know, energy from alone time and I love writing. And so that it's more almost like Mm non-physical, um, things that kind of re-inspire me to then bring that inspiration to my classes for my students. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you said that because when you're in your thing or if you're in, you're a studio owner, you're running your own business or even a teacher that teaches full time, like I know the last thing I want to do <laughs> is 
take another <laughs> class. And I do work out with coworkers and I do take classes. Um, you know, mostly I do mostly take Pilates. That's kind of like where I tend mm-hmm. to like to go because, you know, I'm doing bar variations all day and then I am yeah. also teaching Pilates, but it, it's a little different. So in, or like a yoga, I try to do something opposite, but I'm with you. Like on the quiet time, I do not like listening to music and that's changed outside of class. And I used to love, love listening to new new music and putting together Mm. like Mm -hmm. mixed tapes and CDs. And Mm -hmm. I would like genre them. I would like go for it, but I mean, I'm not driving as much. And now when I, I do drive, I drive in silence and it drives yeah. <laughs> drives people who I'm with like absolutely <laughs> insane I was like I was, like got into this routine of like okay the first hour of driving I gotta have quiet and then after that okay like it can crescendo and then it's got to come down again before me yeah <laughs> so like for me like the walking and yeah getting outside and just having that mind cleared because we're our energy output is really intense we're with a a lot totally. of people were taking in a lot of people's energy. We're dealing with different mm-hmm. personalities and, you know, in writing for you. I mean, is there like a particular thing you like to write or just journaling in general for you? Yeah, just journaling. Um, mostly just trying to like reflect mm. to, you know, cause you can, because it is so crazy each day, right? Like busy, this busy, that, in and out, t- communicating with people via text and phone all day, like a lot of communication. Yeah. So sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, what? Oh, at the end of the month, I'm like, what have I done? And then I like look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, I have done a lot. Like it just takes that like stop and listen and like write it down. And, and then I'm like, wow, I am really grateful. And I am, I am accomplishing a lot because sometimes you can just get so caught up that it starts to like rest heavy on you, you know, and you're like, Ugh. and then you're like, Oh no, wait. you <laughs> yeah. know, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm, I'm doing good. You're full on all the time. And that go, 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 go energy. It, it having that, you know, self care routine, whatever that means for you. And it doesn't have to be so epic, but just being able to reflect and unwind and be able to like appreciate the small wins in life. <laughs> totally. It's not, it's totally. not always about the big wins. And I, I do believe like the small things add up and I, you know, starting this podcast, I was like, Oh, I could do this. I can talk on the phone for hours. <laughs> and it's just like that the small talk to me is like where it's at. Like I can learn so many things about people just through like starting <laughs> as we did actually starting the conversation. Yeah. Like yeah. Before even we started today, we started talking about weather, you know, or actually I think that is on the recording, but you know, just starting in a common place is, yeah, you don't know where it's going to lead. And I, that's something that's super intriguing to me, but yeah, having that moment to like take care of yourself and be like, all right, I need some time to unwind and recalibrate your own energy is is important because then you don't want to wake up and be like, wait, yeah, what did I do? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Or like just your mind kind of starts telling you stories about what's going on, right? Like, oh, like I, like I said before, like I'm so overwhelmed and this is, you know, this is happening Mm -hmm. and things aren't really working out. And then you think about it, you're like, oh no, wait, 
uh, no, I actually am not overwhelmed and things are going well. And it just takes that just stopping for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I just will end up in a ball of stress, <laughs> <laughs> which is not good no. for anybody. And like, would you give, like, what <laughs> advice would you give to, um, say, a new teacher starting out and then also maybe a new business owner starting out? What's like kind of like your go-to advice for these two people? Well, I think for a teacher, um, is just to be patient with yourself and your students. So, you know, I always tell my teachers that are starting training, I'm like, you're, you're just, you're just not going to be good for like the first year, you know, like I'm not trying to (laughs) knock you down, but you just have to be patient. Like it's a learning curve. There's, um, it takes a while to kind of identify your personal teaching style And, you know, we might be, we might be one way personally with our friends and our family. And then when you put us in a group of people doing something that's new, like your, your, your personality like dissolves. Right. And you're just like, I don't know who I am. (laughs) And, and that's okay. It's like, just be patient because it'll come back out. Right. It'll come back up and you might be surprised at like the type of presentation skills that you actually have, but they just take they take that time and that patience to uncover. So I, that's one thing that I'm always having to, um, communicate because people get so hard on themselves, you know, and myself included. And then there's going to be those classes that just drain you and like suck the life out of you. And it's so funny. Those are usually the classes that I have like five people in them, (laughs) you know, and where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I feel like I ran a marathon. Um, because energy is so interesting. Like the energy we, we give to people and that they take Mm. from us is like, it takes, it takes time to kind of develop that, that, that connection with people, I guess, and, and to not give all your energy and not get anything in back in return and vice versa. So yeah, being um, able to recognize if somebody is really pulling the energy of how to maneuver around that. And that takes a lot mm-hmm. of practice and time and, you know, having that patience with yourself and being like, okay, like, how do I not let this one person suck the energy? Suck me. Out of I know. Suck the energy out of, I love your cat in, back, in the background, by the way. My nephew has taken to, this is another aside, but my, my parents have a cat and he went under their bed the other day and started meowing. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, my cat is named Frank. And it's a long story. Anyways, he's like, I'm Frank. I'm Frank. Meow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I just, anyway, it's uh, funny. <laughs> I know. And she's so, and you know, the thing is, is she was up on like a very tall, you know, like counter, a bookshelf and needing her help to get down. I'm like, oh my gosh. No, cats, no. Like, I mean, my mom, like I had a, two cats, like when I was like older growing up and the one, my mom, like my mom's workout regimes, she's going to kill me. But anyway, she won't listen to this. It's fine. But she like shuts the door. No one's allowed to watch her like workout. She would always do like videos or something like when we were at school. And then like sometimes like in the morning, she would like close the door. She has her set of weights. She does her like whole routine. But the cat, anytime she was doing sit-ups, would like crawl underneath her so she couldn't go back down. <laughs> Oh, like, ah, that's this funny. Is so great, but I know, like, clearly, just get my like 
love of like working out with people from my mom she's like no 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 don't look at me like she would never come to like one of my group classes she'd be like no <laughs> that's so funny anyways uh, but yeah funny. the, the uh, energy like in the class like being able to kind of put a shield up a little bit you know it's yeah it's hard because we build relationships with the people that we're teaching and Sometimes those relationships, I mean, whether you agree or not, but like they turn sometimes into friendships and sometimes it turns into like a weird dependency where maybe, I don't know, I've had older clients, like I'm kind of the only person they're interacting with that day. And yeah, yeah, you have to do a lot of like making it not personal and and holding space. And I know through my yoga training, that was like great great tool to learn like I'm here to hold space it's not about me and like okay tell me your few things but all right now now let's go let's turn it to the positive let's look on the bright side and maybe hold a plank so now you can't talk anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly I know analyze so yeah Mm -hmm. there's a lot of tricks that you learn as a new teacher and so the advice for a new business owner what would you say And then a new business owner, I would say, you know, be willing to, well, be willing to realize that you don't know it all. (laughs) You know, I think that, um, you know, try new things and take risks. I'm, I'm kind of a risk taker in, in a way. And like, it kind of goes back to everything else we've talked about. It's like, do you learn by doing? And so I, I would say to a new business owner, like, it's okay not to know what you're doing because most of us don't know what mm-hmm. we're doing and you just, you know, uh, got to take action and, and do it. And it's, you know, not the end of the world. I think that's part of being an entrepreneur and a business owner is like the, 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 the figuring it out, right. right? That like we thrive mm-hmm. on that. And so I think if we just like give ourselves the space to give yourself the space to like be okay with not knowing you will kind of figure yeah. it out. And then that's, what's going to keep driving you forward is when you, when you have a little, like a few of those moments where you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just made that happen <laughs> on my own. <laughs> like I'm capable, you know, and then it just builds into more and more confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of the times, like what I see sometimes from some of my, the studio owners in my, in my um, network, it's like, a little bit of like paralysis by analysis is happening mm-hmm. sometimes or like too much worrying about the competition mm-hmm. and like evaluating, you know, and that just, it breaks my heart. Cause I'm like, the more you're concerned about the competition, the less you're working, you're, you're working on your business. So yeah. like there's enough room for all there of us, you know, so much room. And I thank New York city for teaching me that there's so much room. I literally oh, yeah. on a block with five within one oh, block, my goodness. five Pilates studios. Wow. Every single one has been there for years is doing mm-hmm. great. There is no competition because Someone on the north side of the block is going to go to that one studio and then on the south side of the yeah. block, and they're going for different – and you can only – you can not – you max out on your space. You can't hold every single person in your town and in your city and, you know, I know smaller towns, it's definitely a little bit harder like when there is more like saturation but again, like if you stick true to yourself, people are going to come for you and 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, worrying about others is just you lose sight of your own mission and your own purpose. And I, yeah, I'm with you. It's oh, it's it's totally. tough to watch, but there there is Starbucks yeah. can be on every corner selling coffee. <laughs> yeah, there can be a bar studio on every corner. <laughs> I know, I know, and we're all so unique. And like you said, it's just like the. our students and our clients are going to gravitate to what resonates for them. And we can't control what resonates for them. We can only control what we do, right? right? Like we do what we do the best and then they get to decide if they want to consume it or not. Right. And I get it. You want to, you want everybody to love your class, but like the minute (laughs) I let go of like, I'll tell a story. I, I tell a lot of stories anyways, teaching long times, but I will not name names and I won't name the studio I was teaching at, but I was a new teacher and, you know, I kind of demanded a lot from my clientele because they demanded a lot from me and they were Mm -hmm. older, retired age group and they wanted to be pushed. And they're like, who is this like tiny little person that's like younger than my <laughs> granddaughter telling me what to do. And I was like, okay, you like, and I thrive on that challenge. Like, oh, you're, oh, I'll mm-hmm. show you, I'll show you a workout. And they loved that. And so I had a new person that was like in a friend group came in and, um, a little chit chatty and mm-hmm. I don't remember what I said, but I, I was like, okay, we're going to get like, start like. I think I just like ended that conversation for them to get started because it was quite a loud conversation and we were getting started. So I'm like, okay, like here we go. I forget what I said. It wasn't like mean or anything. It was just kind of like, here we go. All right, we're going. Let's go. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and she didn't think I heard her and she called me a bitch. <gasps> and oh my goodness. I was like, internally dying because if anybody like knows me personally, like, I'm like, oh my God. And I was like, gonna like cry. I was like, Tough on the outside, but I was like really like crumbling, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, yeah, I just get called a bitch, and I had to ignore it. So the whole like rest of the hour, I'm like pretending I didn't hear her. Well, that's the hardest when something like that happens, and you still have to like yeah. keep teaching, yeah. and you're just like, "Oh, my energy's off," but I need to get it yeah, back. And totally, I'm like, she taught me a huge yeah. lesson that day, and I was like, "All right, fine, I'm gonna ignore. Her. I can't do anything about this." So. I kept on teaching. She came back. <laughs> oh boy. Again, I mean, she ended up being a regular, like diehard client. And months and months later, she actually came up to me and she's like, I want to tell you something. And she's like, I really thought you were such a bitch when I first started coming. <laughs> and like, we're my, like, we're in New York. We're in New York. So, I mean, that's like, yeah, because. Uh, you, whatever that's like not a that's that, that happens, happens. <laughs> and, and I just sat there and I was like oh you did <laughs> you didn't tell her well I actually no, I was you. like no I was like oh I was like okay well I'm glad you don't think I'm a bitch now like I don't know what to say <laughs> but like yeah just and that's like that's my long story to say not everyone's gonna like you and or get you and you might rub people the really the wrong way. And you're like, I don't know what I did. Like, but you have to just keep, and that like was my lesson of like, I just have to be myself and not, 
I, and, and I'm a nice person, you know, like if you're, you're kind and open and whatever, like, but even mm-hmm. still, like people are not going to like me all the time and, or my class and it's not for them or they just don't like moving that way. And there's so many factors and getting caught up in competition or what other people think about you all of the time is, yeah. um, like a recipe for, <laughs> for destruction, I think. And, um, totally. I was wondering like, if you have any, like, processes that you or like strategies that you go through like when you're coming up against like a new like idea or project like I always kind of weigh it like am I going to lose all my money or Mm -hmm. am I going to die and that's so extreme but it's Mm -hmm. like what is the Mm -hmm. absolute worst case scenario like is my website going to crash and burn to the point that no one ever likes me again they're never gonna (laughs) like like I take it (laughs) to like an epic extreme to be like prove to myself that like okay, I'm not going to die. Hopefully. Yeah. Who, who knows? Yeah. I can't predict whatever, but like what I'm doing is not going to be harmful. And yeah. Worst case, if someone doesn't like it, that's like not the worst case, you know, like it's okay. So do you yeah. have any like strategies or a process that you go through when coming up against like a new plan or project or? No, I mean, I think that I, I think I just, if I think I'm, if I'm, um, understanding your question, like kind of my mindset, Mm. I mean, I definitely go into like, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, again, going back to that, like learn by doing, I'm trying to do more like live videos now Mm. and, and I'm doing on our Instagram for the studio. I'm going live on Fridays, just, just to practice really, because Mm. I'm like, you know what? I have to get over myself. Like we all have to get, just kind of get over our fears. And so I really just do it. And then I, I, I don't, I'm always pleasantly surprised at the reception. I think like the more you do, the more kind of feedback you'll Mm -hmm. get. And, and then if it's, I just feel like my, I think I tell myself like the people who don't, don't want it, can look away. And like, I, I don't know, I just turned 40. So I'm like, maybe it's a 40 thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I just turned 40 like last week. And I think it's more like, I'm kind of, you know, people say like, Oh, you're in your 40. You just don't care. And it's not that I don't care. It's more that I'm like, I'm confident yeah. and I'm not, I don't think I'm like, I'm like great at everything. I'm just kind of like willing to take those risks and do more mm. and not worry about what other people think more. Yeah. It's the apology of like when you're younger, like, I don't know where that comes from. And I know like that's such a common theme for a lot of people of like almost being apologetic for your successes or like what you're doing Mm -hmm. and being like, Mm -hmm. like, and even what you're not doing, you know, like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where that stems from for myself or like, definitely I don't know where it comes from for, for other people, but just that, you know, generalization, like in your twenties, you're like, just, full steam ahead and then being like, Oh my God, am I doing the right thing? Am I going to be, where am I going? And worrying a little bit too much externally. And you know, someone that's in my thirties now it's dissipate, definitely dissipating to the point where I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, like I, why am I apologizing for what I'm doing? And Mm -hmm. you know, I hope that in the next rest of this decade of life, like, and I think maybe that's what people mean. Like, and 
you just don't care. Like if you, hopefully you can get there sooner and it doesn't have to be like an age that you have to get there, but just own it, like totally Totally. owning it and just being like unapologetic for who you are and like your purpose and all of that stuff. Yeah. And like more accepting of mistakes, like, and more, um, you know, I'm, I'm more willing to make mistakes Mm -hmm. now, you know, I used to be very like, and I still have a little bit of it where I'm like, I don't want to be perceived as someone who makes mistakes necessarily, but like, but we all, none of us really do. Right. But at the same time, like mistakes are what make you Mm. learn. So it's like, I'm willing to admit when I make a mistake to my staff or to a client, like I made a mistake with your account. I I made a mistake. And every time you just accept it and, and, and do it, it's like the, the, the reception is always so good. And so it's just like, it builds that confidence. Yeah. And and like, even I don't like using the word failure so much. I mean, we all know what it means, but Mm -hmm. I think once you're you get over the fear of failure, Mm -hmm. I feel I've definitely have come to this place where I'm like, I don't care if I fail because it's not that bad. And it's not going to be as big because I'm not going to make it be that big. It's like, okay, this doesn't work out. Okay. I can rectify it or it wasn't meant to work out for whatever reason. And it's not worth to like drilling that hammer, you know, or whatever, like hammering that nail down. And it's not so much of a failure as like, I don't know. Okay. Well, stepping stepping stone. stone. Exactly. And like, so looking at a mistake is not like, Oh, like an embarrassment, but just like I made a mistake and here's what's happening. And then let's move on. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. That uh, you can get about that. So I want to move to our boss. I want to hear how you you got the idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My new thing. <laughs> yeah. When did that idea first come about for you and how'd you get your start with Barboss? Yeah. So it started as a blog for, you know, we, we had a, we had a bar method blog, but no one was really writing for it. Our founder was writing for it initially and then kind of trailed off, um, and so we were rebranding. Well, before we rebranded Bar, Bar Method, I started Bar Boss, but I started it because I wanted a place to talk about Bar Method, talk about um, you know my experience and my journey, and then communicate with my clients and give them give them a way to get, kind of get to know me better as the the studio owner of the studio they all went to. So it started out very local and small, mm. and just as a as a way for me to like an outlet for me. And then when I started writing content for my blog, the bar method corporate was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like we need someone to write our blog. So why don't you start writing for us? And then not write for bar. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. Um, you know, and I, I was kind of happy with that because I didn't really know where bar boss was going to go it, at the, at this time. And this was in 2016, towards the end of that year, starting 2017, I didn't at all have what I have now planned for it in my head. Um, it was still just more about bar method content and, 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 um, community and stuff like that. And so I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll write the bar method blog. Like I would love to write that content cause that's what I'm really passionate about. So I kind of abandoned bar boss actually for a good 
I don't know, almost a full year. I was like trying to keep it alive, but I wasn't, I wasn't fully abandoning it, but I, I was definitely like committed to the bar mm-hmm. method. Started running their social media accounts and also doing the blog full-time, well, full-time for them, but part-time for me. Um, and then that contract ended, when did that end? What is it? It's 2019. That contract ended like in November or, or so, November of last year of 2018. And so throughout that time, I got a really good look at like insight into, you know, how much studio owners know and do on social media and, and really from my own network, mostly. Um, I did some social media training through corporate to our owners. And I was like, gosh, you know, there's just, there's nothing out there that's like supporting studio owners the way I, the way I could Mm -hmm. see was needed. And so I was like, maybe Bar Boss needs to be a site and an online resource in a community for all of us women and men who own these studios, who get into it with like the passion and the drive and the, you know, um, commitment to the community, but not necessarily like business owners, you know, or, or, uh, understanding how to run a business or how to do marketing in this new age and do social media. And I can, I can, I could see where that was like becoming a point of contention for studio owners instead of something like fun and, and, um, positive for their business, you know? So I was like, okay, there's, there's definitely like more education that needs to be happening and more inspiration. Mm-hmm. I, I could see, the, um, mindset like that. The mindset, um, of some studio owners was like a little disheartening sometimes where they're just like feeling run by their business instead of running their mm-hmm. business. <laughs> so I took all of that, like, awareness. And I was like, that's where, that's what I want to do. I want to create a site and, and, um, a community of studio owners that can like support each other and share inspiration with each other. And then, you know, ultimately what I want it to be is, um, like a membership community where I'm pulling in like experts from different areas of business that can help studio owners grow their businesses. So kind of like a curated, um, business membership for like boutique studio owners is what I envision long-term. Love it. Love it. it. We're such a baby, baby, baby industry. And, um, and you know, that's kind of what intrigued me about your social media account. You know, a it's beautiful. So it's eye catching. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I love that name. And then, you know, reading into it, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is not being, done by many, if any. And yeah, and it's important. I mean, we just, in, in the bar world, I love it. And again, it's baby because we don't have, we don't have a huge support system of anybody hold, like not handholding, but just giving us the resources or giving people the resources they need. And that's with my big thing yeah. about bar variations, I'm like, how can I give people the resources to create their own class, to create workshops that people can come to from any method and take something away? Yeah. And yeah, having that support in the social media realm and how to market yourself and how to mm-hmm. build a community, whether it's locally or, you know, more globally. And, you know, I really mm-hmm. ad- admire that from you. And I, it's really awesome to see because it is, uh, you know, a pain point in our community that 
you know, you go from teacher, like, okay, you're taking class probably, and then you become a teacher and mm-hmm. whether you're full-time, part-time, you teach one hour, two hours, it's like, okay, then what? How do you yeah. get, get yeah. people to get to your class? Or do you want more from this? And what does that look like? Do you want to be a studio owner or do you want to be a freelance teacher teaching other places? And I think what you do is great. And, um, I like the idea of that membership and, um, yeah, I think, I just think there's so much information out there and it's all fragmented. And like, I know there's even a whole subset of people who are, like you said, like interested in like, what is it like to own a studio? Like, what do you really do? I get the question Mm. all the time. Like, what is your day to day? I'd love to like buy you coffee and, and know, because I'm interested. And it's like, I want Barboss to be a place where they can get that information and, 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 uh, hear stories of other studio owners that struggled through the first few years and how they overcame it. And then also like, Oh, by the way, we're having, you know, a training on Facebook ads and now we're having a training on, um, QuickBooks or whatever it is. So, all of that stuff that I think would be valuable for either new studio owners existing or people interested in becoming a studio owner. Super valuable. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, well, again, I think in the bar community, people get afraid of, we talked about like, you know, there's plenty of room for everybody and people get afraid that, Oh, if there's another studio and my competition and, mm-hmm. And again, going back to look at how many yoga studios are out there in the world. Look at how many Pilates studios and how many gyms are out there that are thriving, thriving. Yeah. So, and I, I believe competition only strengthens what we're doing. It just shows the mainstream popularity of it and the testament of it works. It. It, yeah, I it agree. Works. It makes you feel good. It it does the things you want it to do. <laughs> and, yeah, and I, I think as soon as as an industry we get a little less fearful of sharing our yeah. love and sharing maybe our knowledge as well, mm-hmm. that it's just going to boom more. And you know, uh, you know, having that those tools as a boss it is uh, super mm-hmm. important because it may be somebody didn't go to college for business, like probably most mm-hmm. of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, like I, I never even knew I was going to be a business owner, you know? So I learned all by doing, yeah, yeah, um, and I just so yeah. valuable to give to others. Um, so could mm-hmm. you share maybe a little bit more about, um, maybe like what you see in the future? Like if you had a crystal ball and you're like, this is my dream, if there's something like that, that you would like to share, about Barbas? Yeah, well, I'm starting out with my first masterclass. So it's going to start out with um, like a series of masterclasses. And my first one is upcoming this March, which is like, you know, going back to everything we've discussed on the podcast so far is like all of the, that fear of like, you know, just do it. Mm -hmm. And like, we'll see, like it could totally flop, but, um, I think I'm excited about it. I've been, I've been working on it for a few months. Um, but it'll be an Instagram, a masterclass for studio owners. And like the training is really specific to like having a location. So Mm -hmm. the, the tips and tricks and tools that I'm going to teach are like to drive members into your location and, and actually get like targeted followers to actually turn into members 
versus what, you know, and I think a lot of the great information out there about social media and marketing on social media, it's all useful and good, but like, sometimes it's hard to relay that down to like, well, how do I get them to actually become customers Mm -hmm. of my, you know, and then take a class. So that's where, where I'm going to get a little bit more specific in that training. And so I think for the next year, even 18 months, I'm going to, um, create those little masterclasses, which are anywhere from like two to four weeks long, you know, one day a week, two to four, two to four weeks long. And then, um, we'll see. I mean, I'm still running my studio full time and teaching and stuff, but I think eventually I would like to, like I said, curate those trainings a little bit more where it's not Mm -hmm. just me doing the teaching, but it's, um, my, you know, fellow entrepreneurs out there that I have connections with that I can pull in to do trainings for, um, studio owners. So that's amazing. And then all these trainings will be, um, live or do you, would you foresee yourself offering them? as like a replay or something like that. Yep. So I'll do it live. I'm going to teach it live. Like this first one, I'm going to teach it live and record it. And then it'll go up on my website with a password protected. And so people who purchase the class, they can go in anytime and it'll always be available to them. And then as I update that content, it'll also always be available to them. Um, And then, yeah, eventually I will have it where I'm just you know, recording these trainings and putting them up on my website for members. Um, I would also like to see, I I don't, do you ever follow, do you, or do you know of Jasmine Starr? I don't actually. She, you should look her up. She's awesome. She's a social media. She's, she teaches social media to just like entrepreneurs, Mm. um, not any specific niche or anything, but I love what she's doing. She has a membership that I'm a part of called Social Curator. And it is, it's like $25 a month. And she delivers like a training, a social media training per month and an action plan. And then she also delivers like 10 or so uh, images with captions that you can edit And it's awesome because it it just sparks your like creativity. Um, Mm. And I maybe use like one or two of her images each time just because sometimes they're not relatable at all to my business, but sometimes they are. Mm. And, and then the captions just kind of spark some intriguing conversations that you can change for your own, you know, business. So I foresee an element of my business being like that, Mm -hmm. where I can do some of the creative as well for studio owners and then have that be a packet that comes with membership or doesn't, you know, they can add that in. I also see a need out there with studios. I I love to see the studio pages becoming a little more inspirational and less promotional. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have people Mm -hmm. ask me that they're like, how do you, how did you get so many followers? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I, you know, my expertise is not in social media. And what I can say to that is that as soon as you start telling your story, Mm -hmm it happens. I, mm-hmm. I you can't, there's no formula that you will follow. And if you follow it and it works, then maybe it works. But if you 
follow your, the caption is where it's at. The, yeah. the, your voice putting out there, it's not just pretty pictures and the accounts that have a zillion followers with pretty pictures is because they've been there since the start and yeah. they've gained traction. Yeah. And, um, I, I agree with you. Like, I think the less promotional and you have this built in community already getting your clients to maybe interact on social media and, be in tune with the culture of your studio is so important. And, you know, just offering discounts and class schedules, like is not going to totally, I mean, I might not follow because I'm not interested in your promotions because I don't live there, but I might follow you if you're having this like amazing community aspect happening and, you know, Oh, maybe I'm traveling there and I'm going to go check this studio because it seems really awesome. Totally. But I don't need, yeah. I don't need to know your class package all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's not yeah. enough. Like, I get it. And sometimes it works for people and people are tuning in and they want to know, they'll check in to Instagram that you're closed for snow day or something. But, um, yeah. yeah, but really like Instagram is about telling stories and showing your personality and your community. It's, you know, and it, yeah, it needs to be less about the promotion and more about like what, what, what is the studio? What's, what's unique about the studio? Mm-hmm. Why is it different than the other five on the block? Right. And mm-hmm. so who are the people behind it and what are their stories? And, and then I think taking it a step further and you touched on it is like communicating with your clients on that platform and like teaching them that that's a good place to get a hold of you and connect with you. Mm-hmm. They'll continue to do it. Right. So if they hear back from you and they, get a DM from you here and there about certain things, then they're going to like continue to go back to it and engage with you. And then the engagement grows like that. Um, Yeah. As somebody that doesn't, like I don't run my own studio. I run out of another studio and, mm -hmm. um, but most people contact me through DM. They don't Mm -hmm. like my emails everywhere, but I will get contacted through DM all the time and I'm very active. And I think that's the more engaged you are and you set that tone, like not everybody responded to my first call outs, you know, Yeah, (laughs) it'd be like crickets. I'm like, I'm going to ask again or like Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask a a different way or, you know, and once people start seeing, Oh, like, Oh, this person's comment. Oh, I'll comment too. You know, like it, it becomes, again, less about you and more about the community, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's great. And I think like those offerings, um, will just help, help everybody grow, help everybody totally. get stronger. Um, I want to transition to our next segment since we're still talking about bar, all things bar. Um, yeah. it's called heard at the bar. I do this on social media since we're talking about social media and, um, yeah. I want to know, like, what's something that you've heard about bar that like kind of sticks with you, and you know that's either like very true. You're like, oh, I heard this about bar classes or bar in general, and like definitely true. Or is there like a myth that you would like to bust? And so, for example, about the myth, like people often maybe say, like, oh, I'm not flexible enough. I can't do bar. You know, is there something that mm-hmm. kind of sticks with you that you know to be true or untrue? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many, (laughs) (laughs) all of it, all of the things. Um, I think like the biggest thing that are the first thing that comes to mind is like, 
that bar is not enough. And, you know, we hear, I hear it and I think I hear it more now that we have some competitors in my shopping center that are like orange theory or mm-hmm. boot camp, or, you know, that you have to do cardio or you need to do weightlifting in order to like see results. So, I mean, everyone's body is different. We're all built differently, but I, uh, couldn't disagree with that more. And the reason I believe that is like we kind of touched on earlier is bar enthusiasts like know that bar is more than just a workout and that because of that, it's like an overall lifestyle and wellness that we're teaching core strengthening and alignment and posture and that building that kind of dense muscle mass and, um, the active and passive stretches. I mean, I could, the list goes on and on with all of the benefits and then the focused, um, energy that it requires from our, us mentally, all of that gives you so mm. much more than like burning a thousand calories on a treadmill, mm. you know? And so, um, I guess that would be my biggest argument against that objection is like, it depends on what your goals are for sure. But like trust in the fact that bar is going to just give you such a more well-rounded and overall experience that will ultimately transform your body and life, you know? And yeah. so you, I don't know. You hit it on I, just, I mean, that's a, such a, I mean, yes. I, <laughs> I want to preach from the mountain. Yes. I was like, <laughs> no. And you hit it on the head. Like the results are the results of just moving your body in a, a certain way. And like, that's the cherry on top. And I know that's like, for me, it's like, okay, bonus. Like, great. Like my booty starts to look better. Great. Yeah. The mindfulness and the coming into having to focus on something else that's maybe outside of yourself or outside of your life or like putting that kind of, yeah, focus, laser focus into what you're doing in the moment is so beneficial. If you get nothing else out of the class, Mm -hmm. that is beneficial. If you get something out of the class where it's like, oh, you met a friend or like, there's so many more elements that the, okay, maybe you st- this was the only stretching you did this week. Great. Like there's so many things that you can take out of bar and what you just said is perfect because you can take so many of those things and whatever your goals are, you're going to achieve it where you don't have to then do leg day tomorrow. You don't have to yeah. do the heavy lifting and you know, everybody's tastes are different. And I think people that are drawn to bar, they know that it's not just about the workout or it's not just about one thing. Yeah. And I, I just always am like, I always, I, I just kind of find it's, it's just silly to me that people still feel like they need to like beat themselves up in order to get a good workout, you know, like, yeah. or, Oh, I can't walk tomorrow. or I'm not gonna be able to walk. Oh, no. <laughs> I need to take a nap now. And you're just like, no, that's not, that's not sustainable. You know, and, and as we get older and, and we're and the gracefulness that comes with bar, it's like, it shines so much brighter than, than, a hardcore treadmill workout. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, no. if, I love that you just said, like, if I can't move tomorrow, like that is my <laughs> worst nightmare. Like I think because dancing for so many years and knowing that feeling of like, I literally can't brush my hair because it hurts so bad. Like, yeah, I don't like that to me is not accomplishing anything. And it's just no. telling me that my body's like, you did something bad to me. And- yeah. <laughs> like we don't have to be like, 
perpetually sore in order to feel like we, we did something good for our body. Like, no, that's the wrong mindset. (laughs) Yeah. The the punishment and the like no pain, no gain is like over. That is in the past. Like that's old news. news. (laughs) Yeah. Totally old news. All right. One last segment for you. It's Uh called what's in your bar and that's B A R. So for example, like right now in my bar, if I had a dream bar, it would be stocked filled with this crazy expensive water called dirty lemon water. I shouldn't say crazy expensive. It's worth every penny. Um, there was a phase in life that there was a lot of like spicy lemonade type of drinks. And so this not only is like a lemonade with cayenne pepper and collagen, it like kind of like puts everything in without being too strong, very low sugar. Um, I'm really obsessed. It's like kind of like a, I don't know. I think it started in New York. I'm not sure, but it's delicious. Anyways, I'm not. It's called dirty lemon water. It's called dirty lemon water. <laughs> I hope they don't hear this and they're going to be like, we're never sponsoring you. You just called it crazy expensive and dirty. <laughs> Guys, I'm, they're not paying me, obviously, to say any of this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but oh, yeah, so I love like there's so many drink brands out there. And I think that's like what I love. Some, I don't know. It's like, again, there's plenty of room for dirty lemon water. There's plenty of room for bar. And, yeah. um, so, and if I'm like a more, let's say, spirited drink, I'm a plain, plain Jane, and I stick to like a soda and vodka and lime or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like very plain. But, you know, mm-hmm. I definitely, I prefer my calories eat and not, not drink. Not drinking. Yeah. yeah. But I was wondering what is stocked in your tea, coffee, juice, spirits, whatever bar. Yeah. Well, it's, we just, um, I just remodeled my studio, like it, not as grand as it sounds, but we remodeled <laughs> the lobby and built a brand new custom front desk and, kind of remodeled the retail section and everything. And we added a Nespresso machine (laughs) and like actual (laughs) coffee bar to the studio. And (laughs) that has been a game changer for the early 6am classes for sure. Um, so definitely my new Nespresso machine and we have this like really big, beautiful jar full of the little pods and it's just like so much fun. That sounds um, lovely. Coffee bar we'll see, at the bar. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how well like the budget does with it, but <laughs> so sure. far I think it's okay. It's definitely making the clients happy. So there you go. That's important. But, um, as far as like I think my drink of choice is definitely red wine. I'm a red wine kind of girl. And I love a like big, one of those big, big, you know, glasses where they just fill it up just a little bit. It can swirl all around and. Yeah, I feel so luxurious when I'm drinking red wine. <laughs> yeah, I recently did a wine tasting, and the guy's like, "That's not how you hold your glass." And I was like, oh. <laughs> like "I like to hold it from the bottom. I'm like clumsy." And then, so a good tip from him was that the stem, if you're drinking white wine, if you hold the bottom, your body heat actually warms up your wine faster. From if you hold the bottom of the of the of, actual glass, of the actual glass instead of the stem. 
And so was he saying that you should hold, because I feel like I remember in my waiting days at the, at the resort, like white wine, you should hold from the stem yes. and then red wine, you should hold from the like bottom of the glass right. to warm it up. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, that was like mind blowing, blowing to me. I was like, yeah. oh, so I don't have to be that girl that puts ice in my white wine. Okay, great. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's such yeah. a family thing for my family. We're just like ice in the white wine. Thank you. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much I want to say this is amazing yeah. and I want to thank you Jessica for joining me and sharing all of your stories and your journey with all of us and, and no problem yeah can you tell the listeners where they can find and follow you yeah so my Instagram for bar boss is b-a-r-r-e underscore boss so bar underscore boss and then um my studio one is Bar Method Solana Beach, all one word. So I'm active on both of those accounts. And then, yeah, and then the website is just barboss.com. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you'd like to write into the podcast, send an email to info at barvariations.com. You can follow us all over social media at Bar Variations. You can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com, where you will find show notes, archive episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.